Chapter Twenty One of A Legend of Montrose. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A Legend of Montrose by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Twenty One. After you're gone, I grew acquainted with my heart and searched what stirred it so alas i found it love yet far from lust for could i but have lived in presence of you i had had my end philister annet lyle had now to contemplate the terrible gulf which allan macaulay's declaration of love and jealousy had made to open around her it seemed as if she was tottering on the very brink of destruction and was at once deprived of every refuge and of all human assistance she had long been conscious that she loved menteith dearer than a brother indeed how could it be otherwise considering their early intimacy the personal merit of the young nobleman his assiduous attentions and his infinite superiority in gentleness of disposition and grace of manners over the race of rude warriors with whom she lived but her affection was of that quiet timid meditative character which sought rather a reflected share in the happiness of the beloved object than formed more presumptuous or daring hopes a little gaelic song in which she expressed her feelings has been translated by the ingenious and unhappy andrew macdonald and we willingly transcribe the lines wert thou like me in life's low vale with thee how blessed that lot i'd share with thee i'd fly wherever gale would waft or bounding galley bear but parted by severe decree far different must our fortunes prove may thine be joy enough for me to weep and pray for him i love the pangs this foolish heart must feel when hope shall be for ever flown no sullen murmur shall reveal no selfish murmurs ever own nor will i through life's weary years like a pale drooping mourner move while i can think my secret tears may wound the heart of him i love the furious declaration of allan had destroyed the romantic plan which she had formed of nursing in secret her pensive tenderness without seeking any other requital long before this she had dreaded allan as much as gratitude and a sense that he softened towards her a temper so haughty and so violent could permit her to do but now she regarded him with unalloyed terror which a perfect knowledge of his disposition and of his preceding history too well authorized her to entertain whatever was in other respects the nobleness of his disposition he had never been known to resist the wilfulness of passion he walked in the house and in the country of his fathers like a tamed lion whom no one dared to contradict lest they should awaken his natural vehemence of passion so many years had elapsed since he had experienced contradiction or even expostulation 
that probably nothing but the good strong sense which on all points his mysticism accepted formed the ground of his character prevented his proving an annoyance and terror to the whole neighbourhood but annet had no time to dwell upon her fears being interrupted by the entrance of sir dugald dalgetty it may be well supposed that the scenes in which this person had passed his former life had not much qualified him to shine in female society he himself felt a sort of consciousness that the language of the barrack guard-room and parade was not proper to entertain ladies the only peaceful part of his life had been spent at Marischal college aberdeen and he had forgot the little he had learned there except the arts of darning his own hose and dispatching his commons with unusual celerity both which had since been kept in good exercise by the necessity of frequent practice still it was from an imperfect recollection of what he had acquired during this pacific period that he drew his sources of conversation when in company with women in other words his language became pedantic when it ceased to be military mistress annot lyle said he upon the present occasion i am just now like the half-pike or pontoon of achilles one end of which could wound and the other cure a property belonging neither to spanish pike brown bill partisan halberd lockaber axe or indeed any other modern staff weapon whatever this compliment he repeated twice but as annet scarce heard him the first time and did not comprehend him the second he was obliged to explain i mean he said mistress annet lyle that having been the means of an honourable knight receiving a severe wound in this day's conflict he having pistolled somewhat against the law of arms my horse which was named after the immortal king of sweden i am desirous of procuring him such solacement as you madame can supply you being like the heathen god esculapius meaning possibly apollo skilful not only in song and in music but in the more noble art of chirurgery opifurcae per orbem decor or if you would have the goodness to explain said annet too sick at heart to be amused by sir dugald's airs of pedantic gallantry that madame replied the knight may not be so easy as i am out of the habit of construing but we shall try decor supply ego i am called opifer opifer i remember signifer and fursifer but i believe opifer stands in this place for m d that is doctor of physic this is a busy day with us all said annet will you say at once what you want with me merely replied sir dugald that you will visit my brother knight and let your maiden bring some medicaments for his wound which threatens to be what the learned call a damnum fatale annet lyle never lingered in the cause of humanity she informed herself hastily of the nature of the injury and interesting herself for the dignified old chief whom she had seen at darlinverach and whose presence had so much struck her 
she hastened to lose the sense of her own sorrow for a time in the attempt to be useful to another sir dugald with great form ushered annot lyle to the chamber of her patient in which to her surprise she found lord menteith she could not help blushing deeply at the meeting but to hide her confusion proceeded instantly to examine the wound of the knight of ardenvor and easily satisfied herself that it was beyond her skill to cure it as for sir dugald he returned to a large outhouse on the floor of which among other wounded men was deposited the person of ronald of the mist mine old friend said the knight as i told you before i would willingly do anything to pleasure you in return for the wound you have received while under my safe conduct i have therefore according to your earnest request sent mrs annot lyle to attend upon the wound of the knight of ardenvor though wherein her doing so should benefit you i cannot imagine i think you once spoke of some blood relationship between them but a soldado in command and charge like me has other things to trouble his head than with highland genealogies and indeed to do the worthy major justice he never inquired after listened to or recollected the business of other people unless it either related to the art military or was somehow or other connected with his own interest in either of which cases his memory was very tenacious and now my good friend of the mist said he can you tell me what has become of your hopeful grandson as i have not seen him since he assisted me to disarm after the action a negligence which deserveth the strapado he is not far from hence said the wounded outlaw lift not your hand upon him for he is man enough to pay a yard of leathern scourge with a foot of tempered steel a most improper vaunt said sir dugald but i owe you some favours ronald and therefore shall let it pass and if you think you owe me anything said the outlaw it is in your power to requite me by granting me a boon friend ronald answered dalgetty i have read of these boons in silly story-books whereby simple knights were drawn into engagements to their great prejudice wherefore ronald the more prudent knights of this day never promise anything until they know that they may keep their word anent the premises without any displeasure or incommodement to themselves it may be you would have me engage the female chirurgian to visit your wound though you ought to consider ronald that the uncleanness of the place where you are deposited may somewhat soil the gaiety of her garments concerning the preservation of which you may have observed women are apt to be inordinately solicitous i lost the favour of the lady of the grand pensionary of amsterdam by touching with the sole of my boot the train of her black velvet gown which i mistook for a footcloth it being half the room distant from her person it is not to bring annot lyle hither answered mackay but to transport me into the room where she is in attendance upon the knight of ardenvor somewhat i have to say of the last consequence to them both it is something out of the order of due precedence said dalgetty to carry a wounded outlaw into the presence of a knight knighthood having been of yore 
and being in some respects still the highest military grade independent always of commissioned officers who rank according to their patents nevertheless as your boon as you call it is so slight i shall not deny compliance with the same so saying he ordered three files of men to transport mackay on their shoulders to sir duncan campbell's apartment and he himself hastened before to announce the cause of his being brought thither but such was the activity of the soldiers employed that they followed him close at the heels and entering with their ghastly burden laid mackay on the floor of the apartment his features naturally wild were now distorted by pain his hands and scanty garments stained with his own blood and those of others which no kind hand had wiped away although the wound in his side had been secured by a bandage are you he said raising his head painfully towards the couch where lay stretched his late antagonist he whom men call the knight of ardenvor the same answered sir duncan what would you with one whose hours are now numbered my hours are reduced to minutes said the outlaw the more grace if i bestow them in the service of one whose hand has ever been against me as mine has been raised higher against him thine higher against me crushed worm said the knight looking down on his miserable adversary yes answered the outlaw in a firm voice my arm hath been highest in the deadly contest betwixt us the wounds i have dealt have been deepest though thine have neither been idle nor unfelt i am ronald mackay i am ronald of the mist the night that i gave thy castle to the winds in one huge blaze of fire is now matched with the day in which you have fallen under the sword of my fathers remember the injuries thou hast done our tribe never were such inflicted save by one beside thee he they say is fated and secure against our vengeance a short time will show my lord menteith said sir duncan raising himself out of his bed this is a proclaimed villain at once the enemy of king and parliament of god and man one of the outlawed banditti of the mist alike the enemy of your house of the macaulay's and of mine i trust you will not suffer moments which are perhaps my last to be embittered by his barbarous triumph he shall have the treatment he merits said menteith let him be instantly removed sir dugald here interposed and spoke of ronald's services as a guide and his own pledge for his safety but the high harsh tones of the outlaw drowned his voice no said he be rack and gibbet the word let me wither between heaven and earth and gorge the hawks and eagles of ben nevis and so shall this haughty knight and this triumphant thane never learn the secret i alone can impart a secret which would make ardenvor's heart leap with joy were he in the death agony and which the earl of menteith would purchase at the price of his broad earldom come hither annot lyle he said raising himself with unexpected strength fear not the sight of him to whom thou hast clung in infancy tell these proud men who disdain thee as the issue of mine ancient race 
that thou art no blood of ours no daughter of the race of the mist but born in halls as lordly and cradled on couch as soft as ever soothed infancy in their proudest palaces in the name of god said menteith trembling with emotion if you know aught of the birth of this lady do thy conscience the justice to disburden it of the secret before departing from this world and bless my enemies with my dying breath said mackay looking at him malignantly such are the maxims your priests preach but when or towards whom do you practise them let me know first the worth of my secret ere i part with it what would you give knight of ardenvor to know that your superstitious fasts have been in vain and that there still remains a descendant of your house i pause for an answer without it i speak not one word more i could said sir duncan his voice struggling between the emotions of doubt hatred and anxiety i could but that i know thy race are like the great enemy liars and murderers from the beginning but could it be true thou tellest me i could almost forgive thee the injuries thou hast done me hear it said ronald he hath wagered deeply for a son of diarmid and you gentle thane the report of the camp says that you would purchase with life and lands the tidings that annet lyle was no daughter of proscription but of a race noble in your estimation as your own well it is for no love i tell you the time has been that i would have exchanged this secret against liberty i am now bartering it for what is dearer than liberty or life annet lyle is the youngest the sole surviving child of the knight of ardenvor who alone was saved when all in his halls besides was given to blood and ashes can this man speak truth said annet lyle scarcely knowing what she said or is this some strange delusion maiden replied ronald hast thou dwelt longer with us thou wouldst have better learnt to know how to distinguish the accents of truth to that saxon lord and to the knight of ardenvor i will yield such proofs of what i have spoken that incredulity shall stand convinced meantime withdraw i loved thine infancy i hate not thy youth no eye hates the rose in its blossom though it groweth upon a thorn and for thee only do i something regret what is soon to follow but he that would avenge him of his foe must not wreck though the guiltless be engaged in the ruin he advises well annet said lord menteith in god's name retire if if there be aught in this your meeting with sir duncan must be more prepared for both your sakes i will not part from my father if i have found one said annet i will not part from him under circumstances so terrible and a father you shall ever find in me murmured sir duncan then said menteith i will have mackay removed into an adjacent apartment and will collect the evidence of his tale myself sir dugald dalgetty will give me his attendance and assistance with pleasure my lord answered sir dugald i will be your confessor or assessor either or both no one can be so fit 
for i had heard the whole story a month ago at inverary castle but onslaughts like that of ardenvor confuse each other in my memory which is besides occupied with matters of more importance upon hearing this frank declaration which was made as they left the apartment with the wounded man lord menteith darted upon dalgetty a look of extreme anger and disdain to which the self-conceit of the worthy commander rendered him totally insensible End of chapter twenty one